Hey, welcome. Hello, Regan. Well, yes, hey, welcome to Nested Murmurations Podcast. Uh, you're here with Varun and Regan, and uh, this is their first ever ever podcast. So how are you, Varun? Yes, I'm very well. Thank you, Regan. Um, if you don't mind, I would like to begin by just pointing out the time constraints of this podcast. Um, it is our very first podcast. It is intended to be a sample um, used for learning and uh, training purposes. The time right now is 2.23 p.m. on the 14th of February. No, I have not wished my wife happy Valentine's. Um, we will be going for approximately seven minutes uh, for this one just to get a a uh, few conversations, around three minutes each, from Regan and Varun, myself, uh, around our PhDs um, for the purposes of documentation and testing out our software and our hardware. Um, so here it goes. Uh, let me begin by asking uh, Regan. Uh, Regan, um, without uh, you know taking up the whole three minutes, uh, if you could give us a quick 30-second uh, intro into your PhD, please. That would be very great. Okay, well, I mean, it's, it's just a, with a 30-second constraint, it's hard to know where to start. But let me just say that um, I'm currently grounding my PhD in the environmental degradation space. Um, and I'm looking at ways that new technologies um, that are in the socio-technical um, space, so where there's a uh, – where social and technical um, merge – uh, essentially um, virtual collaboration mixed with um, actual offline spaces uh, and how that can add exponential amounts of value to um, projects and particularly obviously in the environmental degradation space. Um, I'm working closely with some um, a great team at the University of Auckland with uh, Dr. Rachel Wolfgram and um, Dr. Nikki Hare, and um, yeah, we're just kind of getting started at the moment, so I still haven't quite um, found my uh, research questions, um, but yeah, it's been it's been good so far. Fantastic. Um, so just to um, paraphrase uh, there, Regan, um, you're working in the environmental um, regeneration space, um, and you are interested in um, ethnographic um, approaches to studying how um, this is going on right now in the world. Um, is that right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's definitely a bit of framing, I think, um, environmental regeneration. I do like that. Um, and my uh, approach to the methodology looks to be a uh, ethnographic type um, affair where myself as the researcher will be engaging with within these communities of practice and uh, from that I will um, be uh, not void of driving my own agenda but at the same time being um, very open to the emergent um, qualities or um, in one of a better word, uh, emergent dialogues um, that, well, the, as um, Habermas would put it, the universal pragmatics that uh, emerge. 
Great. Well, uh, thank you, Regan. Um, one thing, you know, I would like to um, share about my PhD at this point is I'm also looking at ethnographic methods of inquiry, so observation um, that stands for a long time um, as opposed to a quick interview um, or a quick look at um, a document, um, for example. So I'm also looking at ethnographic um, methods in my research and I'm focused on also uh, very passionate about the environment, but particularly um, focused on how do we transition towards a more sustainable um, food system, and in particular, um, the dairy sector, which gets the blame for a lot of greenhouse gas emissions and a lot of water pollution. So the difficulty, obviously, in transitioning towards something that could be considered sustainable um, is enormous in this particular context. And so um, traditionally, the research has focused on technical solutions um, promoted by industry and government, uh, by big agribusiness. Um, however, more um, socio-ecological um, approaches are coming up, um, you know, in recent times. And I'm wanting to integrate both innovation and leadership um, ha as it happens in grassroots um, contexts within the dairy sector. So not top-down, but bottom-up approaches um, to... Now, just for our audience, um, Varun, would you be able to um, clarify what you mean by grassroots? Because it's often used in, um, like, uh, political uh, um, contexts. Um, so yes. how would yes, you... absolutely. How would you define grassroots in this case? Um, yes. Absolutely. So, you know, um, the framework that um, I would like to use or kind of uh, as an explanatory framework um, from the grassroots innovation literature is this framework of conceptual niche management. And the difference between something more uh, strategic in terms of uh, how organizations manage their niches, um, the difference with Conceptual niche management is that it starts with a defining of the concept of what it actually means for a, a group of people to be doing something more sustainable. So that definition of the concept of sustainability, um, you know, is the first step in a grassroots uh, context as opposed to having something which you uh, just kind of inherit from the, from the boss. Um, or, you know, sorry, not, inherit might not be the wrong word, but, you know, you get delegated um, the meaning as opposed to you actually part of creating the, the meaning yourself mm. as to what, what um, I am doing. So, and then from there on, you know, there's an exploration of the social uh, embeddedness of, 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 the, of the concept. So, for example, genetic modification of yeast might be a good solution in America, uh, you know, next to Silicon Valley there. But it might not work for the rural farmers in India when we think about how do, uh, how should they transition towards a more sustainable dairy sector over there. So my study does look at those differences between contexts within dairy, um, but you know mainly focuses in, on the um, 
small-sized farming operations as opposed to large corporate um, um, yeah. farming operations? I, I would be quite um, uh, informative for our audience for us to sort of introduce uh, the concept of theory U here and how they talk about um, the movement away from the sort of left-right um, uh, sort of view of, um, I guess that's come from centrist. Absolutely, um, and I think we should perhaps uh, save the theory you for our next podcast. We have hit our seven-minute mark. We're going on to our eighth minute for this particular podcast. Um, if you could give us a summary, then uh, Regan, of uh, what did you um, take away from this podcast, and um, what can our listeners expect for the next podcast? Well, um, in short, I think we um, got a, a good little introduction of both our um, PhDs, and um, we can see that they're in a uh, similar space, although uh, Varun's is uh, maybe a, a lot more centred on, say, specifically um, one industry, or at, at least... Um, uh, food industry, um, and then more specifically, although you didn't get into it too much, but the dairy sector. Um, whereas my own uh, PhD is uh, looking kind of at a maybe more um, uh, open um, sort of emergent um, look at uh, what might be classified as um, the environmental uh, movement of the moment, um, because as we know, um, there's of trends and things like veganism and um, um, minority rights and bits and pieces that um, that seem to uh, now, um, what's the word I'm looking for seem to have a large influence over the unpopular domain. So. It's very hard for, I'd say, for me right now to say exactly which space um, I'm going to end up in by the end of my PhD. It'll very much yeah. um, depend on sort of what's important to the people at the, at the time. So I, I, I have a look. Uh, next uh, podcast, do you think um, a focus on uh, Theory U is what we can expect? Um, I was th thinking... How does this... I think we might be able to go. Well, should we go through theory U and then um, and then maybe have a um, crack at dial next time as the third podcast. Um, yep, yeah, I think that's great. And just to let our listeners know, um, we are approaching the eleventh minute, um, so we are going to cut this podcast short, unfortunately. But just to let our listeners know, theory U is um, connected to. Um, both of our PhDs in the sense that um, it is on how to lead um, from the future as it emerges. So uh, one visual analogy that I can leave you with is normally if you were looking out at the sky, you might use a telescope, um, but theory you would suggest that to really see if you're a manager, um, to really see what's going on, um, you really need a U-shaped telescope that actually lets you look back at yourself. Um, and so it's more about that kind of um, shift in orientation, that, that shift in framing um, towards a more authentic um, view of the situation at hand. So on that note, uh, thank you very much to our listeners for uh, taking part in this 
first podcast and look forward to sharing more such and just insights. before um you you cut the um the the line there um Varun, are you able to um send through the uh, link to the um, particular article article on on Otto, the one from the Reflections Journal, not just the general theory U book. Um, I've been unable to locate that on Google Scholar. Oh yes, absolutely. What I will do is I will send you the keywords. Oh, I've got that handy now because I've compiled everything uh, in a volume recently. So yes, I'll send you the keyword that you can use to search so for just, it. It's and, a book excerpt. And so just for the audience, um, we're going to be talking about Theory U in the context of um, Adolf Hitler. So we don't want to scare you off, but um, it is the example that um, Otter has used. in. Uh, and obviously uh, a comparison with a three-year-old. Mm. My child has no, I'm, I'm sure our audience is looking forward to this. Well, thank you very much, Regan, for having me on this podcast. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.